0: the 247 Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. And for this episode, my guest is Lane Kawaoka. And we will be discussing financial investments for a secure future. We'll be right back. top of the midnight hour in new york city welcome to 247 real talk thank you for being a guest on our show
1: yeah thanks for having me julian appreciate
0: it hello everybody yeah it's quite a quite a a pleasure to have you in here um on here tonight i think especially because um 247 real talk deals with it's exactly that real talk as my audience knows and we cover so many topics i i make sure that yeah, you know, um, my guests that come on talk about a variety of things that are real to society. And a lot of the stuff is heavy duty stuff. You know, we have episodes on homicides and um, sex trafficking and mental illness and suicides and things that uh, either provide information or empower people or provide a network for people to get help and to change and to uplift them and to, and to build them and to let them know they're not alone. One of the things I have not covered, and I think it is you know, become critical is, um, finances. And I know that a lot of people walk around talking about building wealth, et cetera, but it's, I, uh, to me, at least in our lifetime, it's, it's so relevant right now because the entire world seems to be, you know, um, dealing with COVID and, and, and bracing for every single moment with the changes and the, um, like in New York city where shutdowns are looming again and, so many people have lost their jobs and, and while they're in the middle of a pandemic, they are struggling to deal with that. But there's going to come a point where we come out of this. And the question is, you know, do people? what do people do? Do they go looking for jobs that they were in before? Do they go to some industries and and, and compete with others for a few positions because so many businesses have closed? Or are there other avenues that they should explore that can not only get them on their feet again, but build their financial future? So I know that I can have this conversation with you because of your expertise. So let's start off with you giving us some background on Lane Kawoka.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me again. Um, so my background, I used to be... I, used to, I came from a family... You um, know, middle class family where we were kind of taught to go to school, get a good job. I eventually became an engineer where I started working, but I bought a rental property shortly after college, and that was where I got this taste of cash flow, passive cash flow, and uh, got the bug to buy more and more of them, and eventually left the rat race. And uh that's what we're gonna be kind of co- kinda talking about today, passive real estate investing for your financial future. So let, how it's something anybody can do, really.
0: All right, so let's pause there. That we want to make sure that we we get our audience, you know, a sort of uh step by step, you know, even though this out they obviously can't learn a lifetime in this listening to this episode. I, I can imagine one of the first questions and I'll and I'll 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 be your audience, you know, for this one and say, um there's a beeping in the background. I'm not sure where that's coming from. Um I want to say it, investing in real estate, especially at a young age. Some people have the guts. Some people don't. Some people believe that no matter what, they never have enough money to do it. Some people see it as too risky. It it it's that's that's commendable that you did that, you know, at a young age. What advice do you have for people who are looking at it you know, and, and their personalities that say, you know, I've, I've got to bring in this, this amount of money every month. I've got to pay my bills every month. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And if I step out and I buy something, I'm going to be in trouble. Why didn't you feel that way? And, and, and what should people think?
1: I may not be speaking for, to everybody out there, but you know, a lot of my clients are on the higher network side, working professionals with good-paying jobs. And a lot of these guys are able to save their money to buy assets that produce even more income for them. Um, the type of investment that I teach is more on the passive investing side. And I, I, I totally agree with you. House flipping, wholesaling houses, that's where active. Investing, and I think that's super risky. I don't do any of that type of stuff. I kind of stay more on the buy and hold side. Um, you know, something that could be done alongside your primary form of income generation, which is your day job, and uh, pretty low risk. Uh, you know, we, and we can kind of get into it, but you know, buying properties that makes sense in cash flow.
0: So, how do you get? How do you get your first? Uh, I go to work. I come home every day. Uh, let's make a hypothetical situation. I make uh, I make uh, two thousand dollars a week. I've got twelve hundred dollars a a week in bills. You know, so how how do you get that? Is there a secret to the getting the cash flow to buy the first property?
1: Yeah, I mean that's the hardest part, right? Getting started. Um, a lot of the the ideal first investment I have a lot of my clients go into is what's called a turnkey rental property. So a lot of these properties are in the range of around $100,000. And you know if you're using good Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac government subsidized debt, which by the way, the government pretty much begging you to buy these properties at these such great terms, 30-year fixed mortgages, um, 20% down payment. You know, you're looking at 20 dollars to $30,000 of money that you need to save up to buy one of these properties that can produce a few hundred bucks of cash flow every month.
0: And you're, when, you, when you speak of these properties, because obviously we're talking to an audience that's worldwide, um, are, are all of your investments where you live or are they spread out across the country or the world?
1: Yeah, great question. So we primarily suggest that investors invest in places that are what we call secondary and tertiary markets. So they are not primary markets like where you're at um, or where I'm at, you know, where we live, New York and Hawaii, or for the whole state of California, Seattle, you know, all those top tier markets that you hear about that are great places to live. The numbers, quite frankly, don't make sense. You know, secondary and tertiary markets are places like Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Memphis, Little Rock, Jacksonville, Florida it's those places you're able to find properties that aren't in the ghetto and are able to beat a 1% rent to value ratio which is critical to being able to cash flow.
0: Okay, so well th- that was that was the really important part because you know, getting you know, once you've gotten past the fear of the investment, um what was what critical about I think for my audience and, and, and for those who are looking to get some um, enough information out of this conversation to help them along. The obvious, you know, the obvious thought for most people would be they would look around their immediate environment and say, I can't afford anything out here. So what, that's really important, you know, that you defined markets that are not in the, you know, for lack of a better term, unaffordable um, areas. Right,
1: right. I mean, it, it, exactly to your point, like, I follow this mentality of live where you want, but invest where the numbers make sense. And it's not really that it's unaffordable, but it's the, it comes down to those rent-to-value ratios. And again, we're targeting things that are 1% a month or higher. So you, you find this rent-to-value ratio by taking the monthly rent divided by the purchase price. So you know, this is something that anybody can do right now. To Go to look in your local area. Look for, you know, maybe not the best neighborhood, but kind of the middle of the road and go look up a property, see how much it costs, and then go figure out how much it rents for by going to rent a uh, Craigslist, or Facebook Marketplace and do a little bit quick math, right? Um, you know, places like in California, you'd be lucky to find a place in the ghetto for $400,000 that rents for $2,000 a month. So 2000 divided by four hundred grand is half a percent. That is less than one percent, and that will not work. The cash flow, um, I wouldn't touch that. Um, so that's that's uh, the quick and dirty first way of figuring out if you're going to be investing in your local area. And most times, it's not. <laughs> it really isn't.
0: Okay. So yeah. So that is that is um, that is obviously something that um, is a lot of food for thought because. Uh, assuming if someone, you know, is looking at, you know, we we always hear about real estate investment, own property, buy property, um, but if someone is looking at maybe taking something out of their four hundred one k or something like that and investing, you know, there there's always the fear of the the risk of losing it. So, yeah, looking in those markets that. Um, you know, that costs less, they're not around the areas where we live, but like you said, where where it makes sense to invest is a, you know, it it may take a certain amount of uh, energy and and research, but it may be well worth um, the effort, especially since, like I said, we'll have a lot of struggles coming out of COVID and rebuilding. And I think that, um, you know, thinking outside the box, and and following sort of the map that you're laying out may be great for, um, you know, people who want to step out there and invest. What other advice do you have?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you said it right there, right? How do you not lose money? And losing money is our number one goal. How do you ensure that? But by making sure on a monthly basis, your cash flow positive. And, you know, you hear about it, right? People, a lot of people buy real estate, but most people do it wrong. Right to me, if your property is not cash flowing on a monthly basis, I wouldn't even buy it. Um, and it's not—it's not just buy low, sell high. It's buy—it's buy for cash flow, right? If you want to ensure that you don't want to—you don't lose money. So by following the okay. principles of you know investing in areas that where the the numbers make sense every month. Um, I mean, I can kind of go this into detail, but if, you know, people want to go to my website and they can download my analyzer and play around with the numbers themselves and they can kind of backwards engineer why, you know, that 1% rent-to-value ratio is so important.
0: Right, but so, uh, you know, coming from, again, you know, I'm I'm going to come with, you know, or, or with questions that I've heard and I can imagine I can think of. So one of the fears I've heard people speak of, too, and, you know, and in, we know that everybody has to have somewhere to live. But tell us a bit about your challenges too. Tell us a bit about two things. One, having properties that because of some phenomena are empty. And you know, you you now have to cover the mortgage. And two, there is this other part of it that you know real estate is a real life challenge in in many ways and that is good tenants not having good tenants dealing with you know that kind of situation of non paying tenants and on on the the legal aspects of it when you have properties that are spread out across let's say even the united states because the question is now what does that entail in a real life scenario do you do you you have an extra uh, cost that you incur by keeping a legal team on hand. What do you do?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, obviously a lot of concerns. that We'll try and unpack most of those concerns. Um, remind me if we, if we missed one of those. But one of the, the biggest things is, you know, we're picking areas in red states. You know, all these, you, you hear about these eviction moratoriums. They don't really impact red states. And red states are open, by the way. Um, those of us who, most of my investors, myself included, live in a very blue left state. It's very different in a lot of these red states. And I would argue that you know, that it's, it's not a socialist kind of um, regime. People in these states, they know that if they don't pay, they can't stay. In places like Georgia, 30 days, you're gone. Sheriff comes out and kicks you out. It's not like California or New York. That's for sure. So that kind of puts a lot of the power into the landlord's hands. Um, whether it's right or, or not, look, this is business. And, um, you know, we treat our tenants fairly. But from our perspective, and at least the way I grew up, if you can't pay, you can't stay. There's no free rent here. Um, and then secondly, you know, it's, you have to be in the right areas, right? I mean, we're not buying the luxury type of properties because, first of all, they don't cash flow. But it's really hard to get those properties filled. We stay where the bell curve of America is. And most people in America need good what's called workforce housing. So this is in the kind of the C to B type of clientele. These are the guys renting apartments for $700 to $1,200 a month. This is, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, who work white-collar professional jobs, we kind of forget this, right? But most people, you know, live in these type of living arrangements, either in single-family homes as rentals or apartments. Um, so, you know, I, I understand the concerns, but, you know, you lower the rent by $25, 50 you know, your, your listing to fill that thing is going to be blowing up. People need a place to live in this country we have a shortage of good quality workforce housing
0: okay so i'm 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 going to go over a couple of the things um that I, I did find that interesting um and i found it interesting because it it it, it <laughs> i'm not sure how to how to put my thoughts together on this one because you, you said red states and when you, when you really sit down and think about it, the logic works. Um, and so the message there that I'm getting and that my audience should get, should they decide to go down this path is that you have to have a business only Focus and put all other feelings, emotions, and opinions aside. Because this is about income, and this is about the truth of what works, irrespective of what your personal feelings are.
1: Right, and and I'll add another thing in there. We are just investors. We don't interact with the tenants. We we buy properties that cash flow, but also cash flow. To a certain extent, that we can pay a professional third-party property manager to do all this dirty work for us. I own 4,200 rental units. I to be honest, I don't know how to do eviction. I've probably done dozens of them before, but it's always my property managers doing this for me, and they typically take 10% of the rents. But they take the brunt of all this headaches and you know all the legalities of doing these evictions or mishaps properly. And they also screen tenants the right way. So we get the right quality people in there. I mean I'm all for like fixing I, I definitely want to fix things and keep properties in good condition and definitely not be a slumlar. I might be a little bit too compassionate. Um I mean back in the day we'd you know do some turkeys or Thanksgiving but you know it's it's the property managers that that, that it's their job to kind of enforce the legal contract between the tenant and landlord. And we are just investors. We're not landlords.
0: Okay. So wait a minute. Let's, let's, you know, that's another, and we might get into a little bit more detail here. Um, so you, you are, you know, from, from your perspective, that's one thing. From the tenant's perspective, it's something else, I think, and let's define that for a moment. You own the property, and then you pay a management company to manage the property. Uh, But to the extent of liability, you are the landlord because you are the owner. Do you agree or disagree with me so far?
1: That is correct. So should anything happen, first of all, the first level of protection is, well, let's not be irresponsible, right? Let's not... be doing anything negligent, let's have good business practices, be honest, and have good business ethics. The liability goes first through the property management company because they are the ones interacting with the tenants first. So they have insurance. Secondly, is the landlord, the investor, right? That's us. Now, should a legal thing come through? Well, that's what insurance is to cover, right? Should there be no negligence? As another layer to this, we have usually some type of business entity that kind of shields us. Should it kind of pierce those many, many layers? But I'll be honest, a lot of these tenants, they don't have much savings. They don't have the ability to mount much of a legal battle. Um, this ain't California. <laughs> you know? um, there really isn't much to worry about.
0: All right, so I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I'm going to uh, as, as we get of
1: course, of course we're not I'm not giving legal advice.
0: No, no, no. Here. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to come all... from I, I recently heard of a story so I'm going to come from a different perspective completely and I'm going to um again your you know, your whole purpose here is to is to give people information on on investing and what they can do and how they can secure you know um, more income and and become uh financially independent and all these things but you know the this whatever people 's journey has been in life this pandemic has sort of I'm I'm hoping at least to a lot of people, and I know it hasn't to everyone because I've dealt with people where it hasn't, but it, is, it has sort of, um, for those who have been personally affected and for those who have seen, you know, let's say, been around medical facilities or whatever and seen the carnage, so to speak, it's brought about this new level of human compassion. And I'm saying this from the perspective of speaking with someone just this week, or was it last week, but within the last seven days or so, in a similar situation, but on the opposite end, they're a tenant, and they lived in this um this this apartment for more than twenty years um perfect payment record um they're a very handy person, so they probably used the the built in uh, maintenance was uh, system or needs probably you know less than half a dozen times in twenty years. And then they told me that they decided to finally they got the courage and they got the ability, you know, working up the chain their job to purchase a home. And when they first went to live there, the landlord, who would be you in this case, the investor, was present on the property. And over those 20 years, they did exactly what you said. They hired a, you know, a property management company. And they told me last week that, you know, they finally were brave enough and finally, you know, got to the point where they they purchased a property and they have a lease and they're, you know, they tried to do as best as they could. But, you know, you can't predict when the house will close. And they said, well, like they were two months, two or three months short of the end of their lease. And I think what they were, the point they were making to me was, they felt that having gotten to know the landlord when they first got there versus the property management company, the landlord, they felt certain for all those years of exemplary you know, payments and, and 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 being a model tenant would have had a certain amount of compassion in their negotiations because for them, buying a house and then, you know, trying to time it out and they couldn't do it. And now that this property management company is basically trying to nail them to the wall for two months of rent and security and taking this and that. It, 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 there's a loss of the human compassion. And I understand business is business, but I, I used to be a lot in that vacuum and I think that there is a need for there to be some middle ground where the two um, can coexist and the problem with the, the, the model um, that, that you know, we are talking about is even though it's, it's financially um, not only profitable but safe because of the layers that exist between you, the landlord, and the tenant, you, the landlord, may be someone who, in that particular situation, would see the need for humanity in the process. And the property management company is not Lane, and they're not Lane's reputation, and they're not Lane's values, or you know, which, which I think are, 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 are uh, interdependent. And the tenant, therefore, doesn't get the other, the, the, the other part of, of what Lane would invoke into the situation and what maybe is, is, is uh, you know, a proper at that time given this lifelong tenant, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously as exceptions like do happen and exceptions like that are brought brought over to the owner's desk on those. Um, it's a tough business. I mean, you know, there's, there's kind of two people that come to mind that are constantly lying to. You know, your dentist, did you brush your teeth, did you floss? Everybody lies to them. And your property manager, <laughs> everybody's giving them BS all the time. Uh, It it is very sad that when, you know, obviously that's probably a legitimate um, uh, claim, right? But you have to imagine like in in even good collecting properties in good areas, five, three to 5% of the people out of a hundred, three out of a hundred are not paying. And they have some kind of excuse every single month. So if you have a building, 300 units on average. And this is a good, like on the high, on the, on the low side, sometimes it can be on the low side. It's 10 people every month. That's coming to you, coming over to the property manager's office with some kind of, you know, basically they're not going to pay. Most times they are not communicating, which is frustrating on the property manager's part. Um, but You know, a, a portion of that is just they're just straight up lying and this is every single month with and and usually a different person every single time so i i I totally acknowledge that yeah in some cases compassion is not used but that is the situation right i mean what job is straightforward what job is black and white
0: okay but so world of gray so tell me this if you're, if you're, and I'm saying this, yeah, I'm giving you a real scenario because I actually happen to know the person and I know I've known them for well over the time they've, they've lived there. I've known them for probably 20 years longer than that. They've known, them, you know, And so I know they're a good friend and I know their history. And, and so I'm saying, they said to me, you know, look, I understand this is a business. Um, and I know we're digressing here a little bit, but that's what's beautiful about 247 Real Talk, because we talk about real life situations. I mean,
1: if, if that was my property, I expect the property manager to escalate that to my attention.
0: Right, because what... however, go ahead.
1: Unfortunately, the prop the person sitting in that property manager seat, they're not a hundred thousand dollar employee. A lot of times, their capabilities and their workload it's it's overwhelming. I'm not using that as an excuse in this person's case, but you know, I mean, the property manager's role is a very difficult position.
0: And I hear you. I think, I think what I was getting to on that before I left it alone was just that what, the, what my friend was saying to me was like, you know, I understand exactly what you were saying, Lane. I understand there are people with all sorts of excuses. I understand that every month, you know, you've got people who so you've got a lot of categories, people who lost their jobs and can't pay their rent, people who uh, took their money and, and, and bought something else. And now they're short on their rent. Also, but in this case, they're saying to the, to the property parents said, look. You have my record, you can see my payment record, and I will bring you a copy of my purchase contract to show you that, in fact, I have purchased a home. So this is not an excuse, this is not a makeup, and I have no history. This is, this is in the first time in 20-something years, it's the first time you're having this conversation with me. And they had no budge and and i and I say and the reason i 'm going in that direction in this real talk conversation is because I would want to say to people what i 've heard so far in your investment plan makes sense but in 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 what I want to term the new world, the way that i you know and and maybe everything that that I think of in terms of what I call the new world um post pandemic and and I think the pandemic should have taught a lot of us a lesson you know the, the in the new world that while we still have to pursue our dreams and pursue our roles and and some of those things are difficult that you know we have learned a lesson that there's so many things going on in other people in the world that we have no clue that compassion is necessary. And I say this from the perspective of, and I, and, and, I, and I lump business in there too, because I say this from the perspective of a hospital. You know, um, I know people, I, I know a lot of healthcare workers and they get, uh, you know, they get a paycheck like everybody else. And then I know a, a lot of hospital administrators and a lot of them behind the scenes have hospitals where, you know, they're, they're, the, 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 their ability to run the hospital, to still sit behind the scenes and make their half a million dollar paychecks and to make sure they get the subsidies from the city and all these sorts of things is basically to run a mill. And by run a mill, I mean, you know, getting the patients in, getting them either, f- you know, fixed and out one way or the other. Whether that out is that they don't make it out or that out is that they, that they survive. And so, those people make decisions every day, and they're much more impactful than a landlord and a tenant because those decisions are life and death. But either way, each scenario is different, and you know. And, and so, I mean, if I walk down the path tomorrow following your plan, and again, I like the plan because it's it's the passive income thing and. The fact that if you make the right investments you can do it rather easily and, and it's it's available for a lot of people to do, that's one of my struggles. That's that would be one of my struggles because if if, if we you well, and I you and I, I, mean, I have that's, c-
1: that's exact that's exactly why you buy properties that cash flow. Because from our perspective, I mean thousands of dollars we just let go in that debt that we do not pursue of tenants skipping payments. Right? I, don't, I want to get one thing very clear: we are very compassionate to tenants, and we listen to problems. Um, make that very clear.
0: Uh, no, I I, I, I also
1: I, want to. I'd like also like to introduce mm-hmm. another point of view. Again, you know, going on the property manager's role is very difficult. And here's here's the predicament. For every one of, you know, those those cases that you mentioned, you're going to have 9 to 50 cases of people who are just straight up lying. And and w- which is fine. We always give the benefit of the doubt, right? But we always trust but verify. But if you let this go too much, now your property, now you start to run into this case of utilitarianism. The property Collections start to suffer and the community suffers because your, your property just fills up with a bunch of deadbeats. And, you know, 80 20 rule, I would probably say the 90 10 rule 90% of the tenants are extremely good paying citizens. They're model citizens. And we have to kind of keep the community in good standing with good paying citizens for the majority. So it, it puts that property manager in a very difficult position. Yes, you're trying to. You're trying to be compassionate to as many people as possible, but you still have to kind of be the bad guy in order to upkeep the community for the greater whole.
0: And I, and I I think to the extent of so oddly enough, and I'll say it, yes, I agree with you 100 percent on that. Yeah. Um, and but and the reason, let's, hang let's on one second. Back on, I mean, let if me you don't say, mind, I'd like
2: to get back on track.
0: Yes, to, but give me one second. Kind of, I'm going to go right back on track to you, and I'm only and the reason I introduced that part into the conversation was just for those who decide to make this leap and follow your plan, they have a clear understanding now of, of what they have to deal with and the position that they have to take. So that was not, you know, there was a, pl- there was a method to my madness there because we're telling people of good information of where to invest and what to invest in. And they're going to be faced with those challenges. And what you, just, you were just able to tell them is information on, on what they will face and the decisions they will have to make as an investor and how they deal with any personal emotions that tug at, you know, at them as they go through this process. So that's, that was very helpful because not yeah. every investment is for everyone. So we, the yeah. people now know, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Lane's plan. I'm going to run into this. I need to have a property manager. I need to have X, Y, Z. I'm going to be faced with these challenges and I need to clearly separate my emotions from business and make a personal decision as to where I stand. And if I lean too far to the left, there are consequences. And if I lean too far to the right, there are consequences. Right. Right. So that's where I was going with that. It wasn't, <laughs> and I did, as I say, it was again, it wasn't um, a, a, a sort of a um, challenge so much of, of, Of your process, but again, because it's real talk, people must understand the truth. So when they come back, oh, you know, I heard this on 247 Real Talk and Lane said this, and I didn't know. Now you know that there's an investment opportunity out there. And like any other investment opportunity, these are the challenges you face. And some of them are going to be very difficult because they will tug at your humanity. And you have to play the role of either investor, profitable investor. And take into consideration the communities and the neighborhoods and all that, or not. So,
1: what are that's what makes our our job a lot easier because we are there are so many bad landlords like you're talking about. Right. Let's just call them slumlords. They have no. They they operate in negligence. Right. They don't fix anything. Um. They don't care. They don't care about anything. I mean, when, you, when you're when you the boss, you can run your business however you, you want to. And I'm hypersensitive to this. I'm very aware of what goes on. And we try and operate with the highest of ethics. But it depends how you want to run it, right? If you want to completely give the reins to your third-party property manager and just run it by the letter, that's that's up to you. I mean, it's that's, that's however you want to do it. And I think, like, my goal, like, I guess what I want to kind of scare back to is how can we help people that are listening, right? I think when you start to get into all this stuff, it's just giving people another reason just to stick to the same Wall Street garbage that people are, the default, right? I don't want to complicate things. When you complicate things, confused minds, say no, and they go right back to to the profiteers in Wall Street. And that is my goal. My goal is to free people from that garbage investment on Wall Street where only Wall Street gets rich.
0: And, and yes, and well, I'm per- I, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, but I've also, I can also hear from speaking with you that through the process, you've refined who you need to be and you found a good balance. And in finding that balance, people need to understand too that, you know, there are fundamentals and there are challenges that, that they, you know, will need to follow in your plan. To be to, to, to be successful in your plan.
1: Right. And and my my might point out that you can be very negligent and put very little effort into this and still do pretty well. <laughs> I mean that's how effective these types of investment strategies are. Right. I mean there's a lot of people doing it.
0: <laughs> right, yes. There's a lot, like you pointed out, there's a lot of slow and large there's a lot of um I appreciate the fact that you've clearly stated that, you know, that's definitely not you and your investment, But and I would and I and I and I think that's important, too, because the people who decide to follow this plan, I would hope that they too take on you know, the same mantra that you have and ensure that they do it with a certain level of integrity as well. Now, let me ask you, what are the recession proof asset classes are there?
1: The main asset classes that I kind of focus are surrounded around one big category, which is workforce housing. Like I like I kind of started at the top, America has a shortage of housing, period. Primarily in the you know for the average lower middle class American, right? the guy who can only afford seven hundred to twelve hundred dollars at most for rent. Uh, the general rule of thumb. Um, that a lot of banks go by is they don't want to see your mortgage being higher or your rent h- payment higher than one third of your income, right? and that is one criteria that we strictly follow when we screen tenants. Right? If a if a person is making three thousand dollars a month, a thousand dollars is their max what their rent payment that they can they can that can they can make.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So um, yeah.
1: So you know a lot of people. I mean, depending who's listening out there, most people do not make over sixty thousand dollars a year, right? And if you do the math, that's they can't pay more than a couple grand a month for rent. <clears throat> most people don't have dual income; it's a single household.
0: Right. And yes, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And sometimes their responsibilities also don't even allow them. Uh, a third of their salary by the time they're done with you know uh depending on on family makeup you know number of kids et cetera, single parent you know even then they may not be able to pay that one third right right so we've we we we've given people information on where to look to buy we've given them information on being responsible for what they buy. And we've given them information on the, the uh, management structure that they should put in place. And we've given them information also, as you just did, on how they should screen and, and their tenants and gauge whether or not that tenant is going to be able to be a good paying tenant, You know, just based on what information you can get, which is salary, And the percentage that you look at, you know, given um, as a pass or fail for the ability to pay the rent for that specific apartment. What else is there?
1: Well, a lot of that stuff that I just mentioned, it's up to your property manager, right? That's where you work at. You just start to build a team of professionals around you, right? So the property manager is the one going through the screening their credit score their criminal history and checking salaries right if you hire somebody good on your team you personally don't have to worry about that so it can be very easy assuming you work with the right people
0: and do you have plans to so you have 4200 apartments what's next for Lane
1: uh, just kind of keep keep acquiring and continuing business practices and getting more efficiencies.
0: You plan to buy more properties? Yeah, sure. Okay. And um, do you ever see... So let me ask you one more thing that came to mind. You you buy, but you don't build from scratch, right? Uh, we are starting to do that actually now.
1: Um, and I'm building more affordable type of housing um, you know that are that are new builds.
0: There's a lot of noise um, in your background, it, by the way.
1: Yeah, we are starting to build newer properties too, but primarily it's it's more in the primary, um, not primary markets, but more in the secondary markets again for that's more affordable housing.
2: Right. Sector.
0: Okay, so. I mean, I, I, uh, that is, is uh, that is interesting. Where and where you have um, resources for people to to get gain this information for and to and to sort of digest it and make decisions for their for themselves. So, what do you have out there? You have a book, you have a website. Tell us about your resources for the for people. Yeah, I would say I
1: would suggest if people are interested, they go check out my podcast, Full Passive Castle on iTunes, Google Play. If uh, we were talking a little bit about the numbers and investing for cash flow, they can go download my analyzer at cashflow dot com slash analyzer. Google it on my website, but um, yeah, everything's out there for free, and people can check it out and, and educate themselves.
0: More. Okay, I'm hearing noise in the background. Would that happen to be the ocean?
1: Ah, uh, it's nearby.
0: <laughs> oh. That would be for those who are listening. That would be if they're here in the ocean, that's uh, lanes in Hawaii, you know, enjoying uh, the real paradise of, of, of the United States. And um, so, as we, as we wrap this up, uh, why, why don't you leave the audience with, uh, you, you know, some words of wisdom? A, you know, a message from you?
1: Yeah, so this, I mean, this passive real estate investing is not full selling houses or slipping houses. That is active real estate activities that is risky. All I'm advocating here is to go buy a simple single family home rental that is a very in high demand and people need these days. I think we got a little bit off the rails in this interview talking about a lot of the what ifs and what could have and complications, which is very, you know, you. Yeah, it happens. You definitely learn to get through it, but you rely on your property manager to take take the brunt of that liability and the day to day issues. Um, you know, I advocate for keeping things simple and staying passive.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, and and, and yes, I will. I will. Um, I will uh, take the responsibility of where we went off rails. You know, or or, or we digressed for a bit, but um, uh, keeping keeping in in mind that, that's kind. Of, both things are kind of what the uh, my audience looks for. That is, you know, the 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 being real talk. It's a lot of the information you gave us about finances, and then the other part that we digressed about about your know humankind and human nature, and that sort of encompasses, um, you know, the real talk and the reality of it. But um, right. I like I said, I've.
1: Go ahead. Here's my real talk, right? There are are hundreds and millions of people out there putting their money blindly into something called a 401k and Wall Street mutual funds and garbage. The mission is to get people out of those type of investments and get them into real investments that I'll say, let's get people off Wall Street and put them into main street investments like a simple single family home.
0: And that makes that, you know, not only does that makes sense, I think that's the power of your message to the, to the audience. Right. And that yes. hashtag real talk right there. Yes. That is real talk. Yeah. Stop. You know, we've, we've become so conditioned to wall street being the only way out and that we become blind to all the other opportunities out there. And, and what you are offering via this podcast and your websites and all the information you provide is, Hey folks, there's another way. You don't have to be, You know, dumping your money into Wall Street and you know, with a bunch of guys who just get richer while you you struggle to make two cents. Lane is teaching you and giving you the opportunity to look at another investment way with passive income that, uh, you know, that can really give you a financial security for the future to withstand all the challenges that come our way without the Wall Street crap. I am a hundred percent on board with you with that, Uh, and. Um, I appreciate, and I know my audience will appreciate your message and the, and the you know, sometimes people are so conditioned that they need a conversation like that for them to say, oh, wait a minute, I never thought about that, even though it was right in front of my face, or I just never knew. So, you know, that's what's powerful and, and important about what you have to share. Um, and along with, you know, and, I, and I'll say this again without digressing, but, you know, I think that Lane's, I'll say something, oh yeah, I think the Lane, you know, has hit something on the head. I think it's, if we're brave enough to step out there and, and take a look at it and take a chance, you know, it, it'll, it'll probably lead to exactly where he's saying of being financially secure. And, um, you know, I would say that when, you, when you've when you made it or, or 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 when you're doing a lot better, you know, we'll come, we'll, we'll, remember the part that we digressed about too, about being, um a good human being in the process as well. So Lane, right. thank you so much for sharing um your knowledge, um, for indulging in the in, in as we digressed into the human part of it. I think that um despite that, I think people will see you as a lot more of an asset to their lives and to and to this podcast because, you know, Despite my digressions, you were willing to indulge, so thank you so much. And and, and um, as folks, as you can see, you can have investors and landlords who do the right thing. And you know, I mean, we live in you know in certain cities, as you mentioned, like New York and California, they're they're filled with slumlords. So um, I would urge you to take a look at Lane's plan and and see what's out there for you, and you know, create that financial invest. Um, Security, if you can, and then still be the human being you can be, and hopefully uh two four seven real talk has has helped to point you in the right direction in this episode. so Lane, thank you so much for being on the show.:
1: Oh thanks for having me it's Hello. quite
0: you're quite welcome, and uh will I'll make sure that in the podcast episodes we have links to everything that Lane told you, so that you two one day can just be like Lane. And then you can come back the, to, on the talk on the podcast and tell Lane, you know, your success story. So thanks again. I want to say a very special thank you to my guest, Lane Kabaoka from Hawaii. And I think in the podcast, you could have heard the ocean in the background. But what was more important was his uh, story about an opportunity to create financial security in your future, especially at a time where we're all facing a, a lifetime experience of a pandemic. I also want to thank all my listeners as always for supporting this podcast. Reminding you again that you can catch this episode and all the other episodes on your favorite podcast app. Or you can head over to the website at www.247realtalk.net where you can do the same. If you'd like to leave me a message or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can email me at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. As we say at the end of this show, be good to yourselves and each other.